Please be seated. And will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> As I prepared my sermon for Meeting House Sunday last week, I dove deep into Old South's history and wandered down many a very interesting rabbit hole. Like, did you know that while Old South claims Naisima Joe as one of our own, we are, if we're getting technical, he was ordained by the Mount Vernon Congregational Church. Did you know that there is a church within Old South Church? It's pretty cool. Mount Vernon is now a part of Old South. In fact, Old South Church members can also become members of, Old, of Mount Vernon Church and vice versa. And Mount Vernon was founded as an offshoot of an offshoot of Old South when 25 men and 22 women were organized into the new Congregational Church at a meeting of the Park Street Church in June 1842. Mount Vernon's first worship services were held at Old South's Spring Lane Chapel until they built their own church on Ashburton Place atop Beacon Hill. From the beginning, Mount Vernon Church has had a vigorous outreach program it supported organizations with historical ties to congregational churches, urban missions, educational organizations, and overseas missions. Its members and the church have actively funded and led organizations like the City Mission Society, the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions, Wellesley College, MIT, Andover Newton Theological School, and they sponsored an extraordinary number of overseas missions. Mount Vernon Church closed its physical doors in 1970 when most of the congregation had moved out to the suburbs. But at that time, the church chose to affiliate with Old South Church while still remaining an independent congregation of the United Church of Christ with its own endowment and traditions. Proceeds from the sale of the building were put into the Old South Church Housing Fund, which is still a part of Old South's outreach program funds. And Mount Vernon Church continues to make donations to Old South and to other charities of its own choosing, doing great good works in the world to this day. This is just one example of how Old South Church has helped to launch other communities and organizations to bring positive change to the world. As I prepare to depart from Old South and start a new chapter of ministry up in Manchester by the sea, I'm reminded of the many other ministers and leaders like me who've spent a few years mingling among this congregation, building skills, trying our hand at creative forms of leadership, making the most of incredible opportunities. And then, like any good teaching church, Old South sends us out into the world to build and strengthen other communities and organizations. Today is Reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday. As, for, as far as church calendar holidays goes, this one is a surprisingly new one. 
Pope Pius XI instituted the Feast of Christ the King in 1925. So what was happening in the world in 1925 that made the Pope so focused on the royal authority of Jesus? Well, consider that the Vatican is smack in the middle of Rome and that Benito Mussolini had, three years before, become Prime Minister of Italy through a military coup. Mussolini was five years away from destroying all political and popular opposition and declaring himself the outright dictator of Italy. It was vital for Pope Pius that the people understand that no matter who held the reins of power or how tightly they held them, there was always a higher authority found in the sovereignty of Christ. Christ was the King of Kings. Mussolini couldn't touch him. So what do we mean when we talk about Jesus as our Lord or Christ as our King? Well, sovereignty is earned. What really makes someone a Lord is their ability to secure the best interests of their own citizens. The Lord has to take into account what's best for the whole community and put that above all else. And this is why Jesus is our Lord. His power is not about having the most land or the greatest army. Jesus' authority comes from his heart. Our Lord Jesus is the one who voluntarily gave up all forms of dominion and power, who became the weakest of the weak, whose greatest power is love. We do not give respect to Jesus because he coerces it or demands it. We give it to the one who subverts and transforms the very idea of power and who gently loves us into our own strength and empowerment. Jesus inspire, inspires his followers, and that includes all of us, to be builders of the kingdom of God. Many times in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about working to establish the kingdom of God. We know that we are supposed to pray for the kingdom to come, as we learn in the part of Matthew that teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. Responding to a question from the Pharisees about when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not need, does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus teaches us to embrace the vision of God's kingdom, a world where people are devoted to the ways of God and to living according to God's will, caring for one another, working together to solve problems, building up rather than tearing down, a world where people give of themselves out of their gratitude and to the glory of God, a world where people who have been lost who have experienced suffering, are able to find their gifts and their strengths and build a way forward. We are called to the mission of growing the kingdom, not as a domination move, but because we have a gospel to share, a message of good news that the world so desperately needs to hear. This is the hope 
to which we are called that Paul speaks of in the letter to the Ephesians. And Jesus teaches that this kingdom is already here in the heart of each person, but it is also on its way, needing to be built by the hands of those committed to the vision. Through love and encouragement, prayer and the pursuit of justice, mercy, and beauty, that kingdom continues to grow. Kindled in the heart of a 20-something shy soprano sitting just about there, who watches in awe as an amazing woman preaches a powerful word and says to herself, maybe someday I could do that. The kingdom grows when a young person in Sierra Leone worships online with a congregation halfway around the world because he knows he will hear a message that affirms his existence as both a gay man and a beloved child of God. That kingdom grows when a well-heeled congregation sees its mission outlive and outstretch its church building and plants seeds of transformation and healing in the wider world. As I leave Old South, I know that I will carry each of you with me. And with what I, that what I've learned in my time here and the ways in which we've drawn into community together and drawn closer to God, I will carry that with me always. And that will help to kindle the growing kingdom in my new ministry setting. As I go, know that in the words of St. Paul, I will not cease to give thanks for you in, as I remember you in my prayers. And I trust that you will remember me in your prayers as well. As we continue to grow the kingdom, the hope to which God has called us. Amen. <laughs>